This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. I kind of feel like it's wrong that everybody's looking at me now. I'd rather try and deflect some of the attention to, to what the Lord is already busy doing this morning. So if I can just ask by, by a show of hands, who, who of you have just felt energized or just filled up by this time that we spent in God's presence and, and just worshiping together. We had an amazing time in worship. So thanks so much to the worship team as well. Okay, so there must be a reason why God would uh, would come and fill us up. And, uh, and the Bible talks about how streams of living waters are going to flow from our bellies, and that is for the benefit of others. So, so how about this? Let's trust that what you've experienced already today is actually for the benefit of somebody else. Now, I, I just felt in my heart that may, maybe there's some people here that you really feel a little bit stressed out and, and tired and fatigued by, by the pace of this first term that we've been through. Is there anybody that, that relates with that? Maybe it feels a little bit, you know, there was this one time when I went body surfing at Mschlanga. The Natal coast is foreign to me. If you were to ask me how did it go, I would say I went everywhere where the waves rolled me. And some, some of us feel like that's, that's, the, that's how this first term have gone. Is, is there anybody like that? I want you to give an indication. Okay, so now these, these folk have indicated that they've been filled up by the Lord and energized by his presence. I want you to, to extend your hands towards those people that have just raised their hands. And I want you to release rest and peace and grace over them. In the name of Jesus. So if you, if you, if you haven't got somebody to aim your prayer at, just, just, uh, just find out again who, who those people are. And I want you to, to go ahead and pray now and use your own words. Pray and, and, and just release peace and grace and blessing over these people. And I'm, I'm also going to pray for us and just close in a second. So Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the steadfastness of your word, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you, that you got up in the middle of a, of a public place one day, Lord, and you, and you, and you shouted at the top of your lungs, if anybody is weary and heavy laden, let him come to me and I will give him rest. Thank you, Lord, that you are here today, Lord, to give rest to those who are weary and heavy laden in Jesus' name. God, we release your peace, Lord, in Jesus' name, Father, where, where it's, it's not even just that we sometimes feel tired and fatigued, sometimes we look at the at the toll that a season or a term might have been taking on us, and then we do the math and we look at what's still lying ahead, and we start to feel stressed and, and anxious because we, we realize we can't sustain the space. And so, God, we just come against anxiety and fear in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you have a thousand different ways, Lord, of bringing solutions, God, of, of, of delivering your children. And making a way where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Great. So it's my privilege to be, to be sharing with you this morning. And from the title, you, you might, be, might be gathering that we, we're going to talk about a journey. And, and, and the journey, it's about trying to answer that question, what do we do when our experience, our reality just doesn't seem to tie up with the promises in God's word. And if, and if that chronically persists over a long period of time, I've got maybe a promise 
Or there's this aspect or a handful of areas in my life where I know God's word says it's meant to look like this and it just doesn't look like it. What, you know, what, what do we do with that dilemma, with, with that deficit? Now, I don't know about you. You know, I don't come here week after week on a Sunday because I've got a need to do some religious activity to somehow feel a little bit better about myself. Um, you know, if, if there wasn't actually a real-life connection point and real-life traction to what we do here in the, on the Sunday morning and what we do day-to-day in, in living the Christian life, then why, why would we do it? And Paul actually touched on it when he, in, in the first book of Corinthians. He talks about how if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then us believers, we would be the most pitiful of all people because we... Uh, because we, we look forward to when we die, we get to go to heaven. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then that wouldn't be so. And we gladly endure difficult seasons because we have a promise from God that, that he's going to reward us if we are faithful through trials. But if that isn't true, then why on earth would we be doing this? But luckily for us, the, the reality is that, that the, the cross is empty and the tomb is empty. And because those two are empty... Everything has changed. That changes everything. And so that, that means that the Christian biblical worldview that we, that we come here to, to express and that we embrace on a day-to-day basis, it actually translates to real-life fruit as we go from here. We go to work, we take it into our marriages, our relationships, our, our home life, our work situations, and it might be a very simplistic analogy, but I want to use the example of the, of the movie Free Guy. I don't know if you've seen it. It's quite a recent movie. I find one of, one of the side effects of, of the lockdown has been that, as that we've caught up on just about every movie that falls within the right age, age restrictions for our kids to watch because as soon as something becomes available, we, we've caught up on it because there was a lot of, a lot of TV watching over lockdown. But, but this movie is, it's about a video game. So it's set in free city. It's the city in this, in this video game. And the citizens of the city are, are non-player characters. So as far as they're concerned, they go to work every day and they go about their everyday life completely unaware that other people in the game are actual gamers playing the game. And they've got missions and they've got things that they're trying to achieve. But the non-player characters are just going to work day after day, and, and they are cannon fodder for the gamers who go about trying to achieve their missions. And these gamers are distinguished by these sunglasses that they wear. And as soon as you put the sunglasses on, all of a sudden you can see background information. You can see resources and weapons. You can see information about missions that you can, that you can pursue. And that enables you to navigate this place called Free City and move from one level to the next as you, as you progress and as you upgrade yourself. And so in a, in a simplistic way, the Christian biblical worldview is a little bit like putting those shades on. Many of us, we come into an, a relationship with God and from the word go, all of a sudden there are things that just make a lot more sense. And many times when we see a situation that previously we would have agreed 
I definitely need to take a left here. All of a sudden, with the Christian worldview and a relationship with God where he actually speaks to us through his word, I realize I need to take a right. And we, and we become empowered to navigate through life. But then we, we also kind of reach this point where maybe after a couple of years, maybe it's a couple of weeks or months, whatever the case might be, so you find yourself sitting in your lounge, you're wearing your sunglasses, Everything for the most part seems to be going okay. But now you're sitting in your lounge trying to relax and you see this portrait against the wall and it's hanging skew. And for, for many of us, that portrait might represent different things. But for the purpose of this message, I'm, I'm wanting to, to use that portrait as an illustration of where we've received promises from God that God's word says that this is going to look like that. But our experience and our reality just doesn't tie up with what God, God's word says about it. It might be, it might be a case of provision. It might be a case of your, your work circumstances. It might be relational. Maybe you're trusting for a loved one to, to get saved or to, or to, to meet Jesus. Whatever that might be for you, I find, I find it's, it's almost as if there's the setup or at some point in time for us to find ourselves sitting on this couch and this portrait is in our frame of view and it's frustrating us because it's the only thing that seems to not be right. And it's, it's this constant source of, source of irritation. And so the testimony that I want to share today, because it's really a testimony, it's just not a, I haven't got a sermon or a teaching for you. What, I, what I've got to share is, is really a testimony and a journey that, that I've been on it's about my relationship with, with a couple of these portraits in my life. And it, it was about a, a work situation and a, a promise that I'd received from God. And, and it was about my health. The word of God says that we are healed by his stripes. And it's not normal and it, it's not what we should accept as normal for us to be sick. Especially chronically sick if we're, if we're a child of God because Jesus paid for that at the cross and in the atonement. And so it's interesting for me how um, in Revelation it talks about the new Jerusalem and how the gates of the city will have 12, 12 gates and the gates are made of 12 pearls. I struggle to picture a gate made of a pearl. It's easy enough to picture the gate, but how do the walls tie in with it? I don't really get that. But, but anyway... That's in the book of Revelation. And then in the book of Isaiah, he also talks about this, this future city. And he says that the walls will be called salvation and the gates praise. And that might sound, sound very obscure, but I love the observation that Bill Johnson made about that. And he asks the question, how does, how does a pearl get formed? A pearl gets formed when there's some little bit of irritation that gets inside of the oyster and then over time, these layers begin to form. And out of that source of irritation, something beautiful gets created. And so the picture of the New Jerusalem is the city that's got 12 gates, and the gates are called praise, and they formed out of a pearl. And so, so I want to suggest to you that on this journey where sometimes we find ourselves, we've got our sunglasses on, for the most part, everything seems fine, but there's this portrait that's it's in our line of sight all the time, and it's 
irritating us and it's frustrating us. And I want to say to you that there's nothing wrong with you for it irritating and frustrating you. It's probably, there, it's probably like that by design because that's our invitation for us to, in spite of that irritation, in spite of that deficit, to still persist in a lifestyle of praise. And I, and I loved how, how Niels explained last week the difference between thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Our th- thanksgiving is our response to the works of God. Praise is our response to the character of God. And then worship is our response to the presence of God. And so when, when we're faced with a, a deficit in, in this sense, there's something about our life that doesn't seem to add up. It's important for us to continue to respond to the character of God and to live a, a lifestyle of praise in the presence of that frustration and that irritation. And, and if we are faithful in doing that over time, we will look back and find that God has actually allowed a beautiful pearl to develop around that point of frustration and irritation, and you didn't even know it was happening. So to begin my story, I, I need to backtrack to 2017. I, I work as, a, as an electrical engineer in the consulting engineering industry. It's closely related to the construction industry. Many of you might know that the construction industry didn't really need COVID-19 to make it interesting. It had been interesting for quite a while. And, and so in 2017, I was working for a, for a big multinational corporate company with head offices in the Netherlands. And there were some very promising projects in the pipeline that I was, to be honest, I was quite proud of having worked on them, having invested a lot of my energy to line them up. Things were looking good. And then all of a sudden, it was like all over the place. There were just plugs being pulled with, with funding not being available and a lot of our, our client entities being public sector. It, the landscape just changed very, very quickly. And I, I found myself all of a sudden being saddled with a bunch of lemon projects that I inherited from somewhere else. And we had a, I had a very positive outlook not so long ago. In 2017, I was feeling very frustrated about my work. I was often talking to God about it and complaining. And apart from the, the projects themselves being challenging, I was finding myself on the other side having to report internally and needing to, needing to have these long extended motivations for uh, why did I drive for six hours to this place called Matatio when the corporate policy for the company says that any trip further than 200 kilometers you must take an aeroplane. It, it really, it really drained me having to spend a lot of time explaining things like that and to, and to be consistently challenged about these decisions that we're making because this is how, this is how it works in the Eastern Cape. So I was driving to work one morning in 2017 and, and I felt the Lord speak to me and he said, I want you to declare over today that today is going to be a good day. And I thought, great God, I need today to be a good day. Happy to comply. So I drove to work that day saying, thank you, Lord, that today is going to be a good day. I declare that your goodness will manifest. This is the day that you have made, and I can't wait to see what you are doing today. And so by 9 o'clock that morning, I'd been in a Skype meeting where it transpired that the company wasn't so keen on the future existence of the East London office. And 
later on in the day, I, I sort of took it to the Lord in prayer, and I said, God, I, th- I thought you said it was going to be a good day. And I, I want to make it clear, it's, it's not like I'm constantly experiencing this thing where God speaks to me and I know immediately what he's saying. And it's not like I hear God's voice in an audible sense. What often happens is, is the voice of God is, is very similar to a thought. I may as well have had that thought myself. But what I found is when, when a thought suddenly pops into your mind fully formed, it's not the result of a thought process that you've gone through. The thought pops into your mind fully formed along with a full understanding of all of the implications of that truth. Often that's, that's the voice of God. So many times you have a great idea that comes into your head like that. It wasn't your great idea. God gave you a good idea. But so, so in this case, I said to the Lord, Lord, I thought you said it was going to be a good day. And I just had one of those experiences again, and I felt the Lord answer with a question, and, and, he, and, he, and he asked me, do you like your job? Do you want to keep it? And as he said that, I realized all of the implications of this truth. I realized, oh, it had been a good day because I don't like my job. <laughs> and I've been telling God about it all the time recently. And so... So I, I saw this mental picture of myself sitting on a raft, riding in a river, and somewhere up ahead you could hear this ominous sound of a big waterfall. And I understood that my instructions were to stay on the raft, even though there were overhanging branches that would make it easy enough for me to get off if I wanted to. So I, I felt that the Lord was instructing me and calling me to stay on this raft because even though the sound of that waterfall is ominous, God made it clear to me that he, he's got my back. In this process, some way, he's actually got something prepared for me, and it's probably going to be better than what I can establish if I try to take things into my own hands and use my own capabilities to wangle something. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do my best to follow God in, in this challenge. And, and so that's, that's what I did. And for more than a year, nothing really changed. I just had to carry on doing these projects uh, to carry on having the conversations and explaining what I needed to explain and having to relax when sometimes sometimes it was like I wouldn't even believe what, what I was saying. The context of, of Europe and Eastern Cape is just so far removed. So for more than a year, almost almost nothing changed. And then, you know, I wish I could tell you that I was taking this all in my stride, but it, it wasn't the case. And so early in 2018, something weird happened in my body. You know, if, if you've got a car that's got an electronic um, computerized system, sometimes that engine management light comes on and the car gets put into like a limp home mode. So my body, for some reason, the engine management light came on and I was put into a limp home mode and I was just tired all the time. Even though at the time I was actually very fit, I was quite a keen trail runner. It was, it was a hobby that I enjoyed. And, and if I'm honest with you, it's, pro- it's probably something, something of an escape that I, that I almost had like a bit of a an bordering on an unhealthy addiction to. It's easier to go for a run than to, than to really sit down and face the, the questions that are running around in your, in your mind. But anyway, so despite the fact that I was actually fit 
and meant to be healthy, all the stresses in my life just added up to more than what my body could cope with. And, and, so, and so this happened. And I thought to myself, okay, obviously my body is talking to me. I need to pay attention. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to tone it down a little bit. Maybe a bit of rest is going to do me a world of good. So I decided to tone it down a bit by, by still running the Buffs Marathon, but just a little bit slower because I wanted to get the comrades qualified because surely by that time, then my body would have bounced back and I can just carry on with my plans that I'd been making. And at the same time, two weeks after that Buffs Marathon, I'd already entered for, for an Addo 44-kilometer trail run, and that's quite expensive and all the accommodation. Everything's paid for, so I'll tone it down by just doing that as well, but I'll also do it slower, and then we'll see, we'll see how it goes. And so after doing Buffs Marathon and then taking two weeks off completely, I went to Addo to do that run. And 15 kilometers into the 44-kilometer race, I started experiencing cramps. I was in the middle of nowhere, and I thought to myself, this is going to be a long day. How do I get out of this? And in those situations, you, you often see this, um, the official land cruiser driving up and down, and the victims of injury or poor planning, poor preparation, they're riding on the back, the guys that have, that have, that have quit climb on the back, and luckily for me, I'd, I'd noticed that this land cruiser doesn't magically teleport you back to the comfort of civilization. It just drives up and down the route, picking up more and more victims. And so even if your legs have turned to mush and the day has turned into a death march, you'll probably get back to civilization sooner if you just stick at it and just keep putting one leg ahead of the next. And And the the seed for this thought was actually planted the year before I, I was doing the roads trail run. And about 35 kilometers into this run of 52 kilometers, I had, a, I had an epiphany. It might have something to do with the altitude and oxygen deprivation, but I was, I was as tired as I've ever been in my life. And I was in as much pain as I'd ever been having signed up to do something voluntarily and then paying for it. And I still had 18 kilometers to go, and I thought to myself, how am I ever going to finish this race? How am I ever going to get back home? Because my body was screaming at me that this is it, this is the end. You've got nothing left. And I saw the Land Cruiser with a couple of passengers on the back just driving up and down, and I, I noticed then as well that this thing isn't going back to the village of Rhodes. It's just driving up and down. So I thought, let's do, a, let's do like a mental experiment. Let's see what happens if I do some parenting on myself. Because we've got no, we've got no problem telling, telling our kids, listen, I know it feels like the end of the world, but it's not. If you just bait fuss a little bit, you'll see you're going to make it. It's fine. You know, we, we're very comfortable telling our kids that. When last have you heard that, if you're, if you're an adult? So I thought, let me do some parenting on myself. Let's see what happens if I ignore the screams of my, of my mind telling me that I've got nothing left to give. And let's see what happens if I just keep on running anyway. And an interesting thing happened. After just a couple of minutes, I started to feel better. And I was running at a decent level of comfort and a decent level of pace. I was making progress. And I thought, wow, this is interesting. 15 or 20 minutes later, 
this thought came flaring up again. Okay, this is now really the end. You've got nothing left to give. And by this time, I was now only 12 kilometers away from the end. And I thought, well, I've come this far. Let's just see what happens if I ignore it again and just keep going. And the same thing happened. And that process must have repeated itself at least one more time before I reached the end. And it made a massive, massive impression on me. I couldn't believe how wrong my mind could be about what my physical body was capable of. It baffled me. And I thought to myself, you know, this is an interesting object lesson. I really, really hope that I don't have to learn the spiritual equivalent of this object lesson because that, that would probably be a, a much longer and a much tougher journey. But anyway, so, so we jump back to 2018. I'm at, at Edo. My toning down a bit doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to have helped. And I was, I was facing these same, same thoughts. How do I, how do I get out of this? Is there an option of an early exit? And I felt the Lord speak to me again. And, and the Lord said to me, Dion, if you quit, I will understand. But if you persevere, I will reward you. And I, and I think that's, that's probably the, the little nugget that I've received that, that best sums up the Father heart of God. Because he, his heart is so soft towards us. If, if we quit, if we say, God, I really can't, he, he can understand that because he's been through everything. Jesus was tempted with every temptation that we'll ever face. He understands, but his, his desire to reward us is so much greater. And so he, so he says to, he says to us today as well, if you, if you quit, I will understand, but if you persevere, I will reward you. And so I kind of knew in that moment God wasn't really talking about trail running. But I, I managed to finish that race. But I, I got home and I, and I decided I needed to make some adjustments. So I made four what I thought to be very quality decisions. I thought, okay, first of all, I need to learn to better cope with stress. Nobody really taught me that when I started working. I just thought, that I was this bottomless resource, and if anything goes wrong at work or you're faced with any kind of challenge, you just pour yourself into that challenge as if you're never going to run out. And I, and I realized I need to learn to better manage my stress. And secondly, I, I decided, okay, I need to seek some medical help for whatever symptoms we can actually pin down and identify and, and learn to manage that. And then thirdly, I realized, okay, turning down a little bit, doesn't seem to have helped. So, so I realized I needed to, I needed to stop, to stop the, the zealous running that I was doing. And so I, for a season, I, I stopped doing running and, and exercise almost entirely just to give my body a little bit of a, a little bit of a break. And then, and then lastly, as an overarching sort of strategy, I, I really felt that the Lord was, was saying that the key to success in this entire journey is, is going to be intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So I decided that I'm going to prioritize that as best as I can. I'm going to, in the morning when I wake up, try to make sure that the first thing that I do is just to connect with the Holy Spirit in, in conversation and try to keep that conversation going the whole day. In the evening when I go to bed, when I fall asleep, the last thing that I want to be doing is still be talking to the Holy Spirit and the next morning when I wake up, the first thing that I'm focused on is to re-engage and pick up that conversation with the Holy Spirit. So I thought, 
Okay, great. I seem to be now making some good decisions. I've adopted quite a healthy attitude. Surely now it's just a case of going through a short season of putting one foot against the other, and before I know it, this is all going to be over. Much, much deeper into 2018, things just didn't change. So early in 2018, I I did receive a, a retrenchment notice, and I thought, thank you, Jesus. You told me about the waterfall. The waterfall would have scared the living daylights out of me, but because you told me about it and you told me that there's something good hidden for me inside the waterfall, it actually sparked hope and anticipation in me. So so when I got that notice, I thought, great, I heard God's voice correctly. And and that, that confirmation really does does us a world of good in our faith. But after that, it's like they lost the file. And for another year and a half, nothing happened. I just had to carry on working in those conditions. And, and so later, deeper into 2018, I just got to the point where, again, metaphorically speaking, so I'm sitting in my lounge and I've got my sunglasses on and I'm just feeling so frustrated and so irritated. And after a while, you just get to the point where you say, God, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you want me to do better or do differently. This is just not working. I'm going to take these sunglasses. I'm going to put them on my head. And just you and I are going to know that I've, that I've packed it in. Nobody else needs to know, but I'm, I'm packing it in today. This, this isn't working for me. It's not real. I'm giving up. That, that's what was going on inside of my, inside of my head, inside of my heart on that morning. And later on that same morning, I get a, I get a WhatsApp from a, close friend of mine in Hermanus and put the WhatsApp on, on, on the screen there. And this isn't even a friend who's good with his phone. Like, it's not like I hear from him a lot. But all of a sudden, I get this WhatsApp from, from Wilhelm, and he, he doesn't even introduce it or anything. He just starts. The Holy Spirit says, I love to hear your voice in prayer every morning. When you awake, it's one of my favorite parts of the day. When you awake and begin declaring your love for us, it moves our heart. When you inquire of me, it's my pleasure to answer. Yeah, I'm not going to get through that. You can read it yourself. <laughs> but so, just like at Rhodes, I'd, I'd reached what I thought was my end. And where I reached my end, God came and he met me. And, and the very thing that I that I decided that I'm going to give up on, he came and he said, don't give up. You're on the right track. Keep going. And so that was a shot in the arm that I needed to keep to keep going. And I decided, okay, Lord, I'm not going to pack it in. I'm going to keep going. And just like at Rhodes, it wasn't terribly long after that that I just felt the same again. I felt like, okay, now I've really reached my end. And there were a number of cases like this where, where God just came to meet me, where I felt like I've really reached my end now. 
And I want to share a couple of them with you this morning. And really just trusting that, like the Word of God says, that the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So the reason that that I'm sharing these testimonies is because if God will do it for me, then he'll do it for you. And And me sharing it this morning, that's actually prophesying that the same can happen for you. So, so that, that WhatsApp was, that was my first experience of, of having reached what I thought was my end, only to find that God can, God can come and give us a shot in the arm and, and give us enough encouragement to realize it wasn't my end. We can keep going. And then second, thank you. If there's, if there's one other thing that you need to take out of this message this morning, it's that don't be impressed with me. Be impressed with my wife. She is amazing. So I, I felt not too long after that, I felt just as low, just as dejected. I was going to take the sunglasses, put them on top of my head, and say, God, I'm, it's not... It's not me anymore. I'm just going to go through the motions, but I can't do this anymore. And I had, a, I had a dream where in my dream I'm having this conversation with God saying, Lord, I'm, I'm lost. I've lost my way. And so it was nighttime. I was walking in a road, and I kicked at a pebble. And as I opened my mouth to say the words, God, I'm lost, it was like the heavens opened up, and I suddenly felt like I was being electrocuted by the presence of God. And it was such a, like a real and a visceral experience that I, that I woke up straight away and I didn't know was that a dream or did it actually happen? It was, it was that real for me. And I thought to myself, wow, maybe God has actually heard my prayers. Maybe he's come and touched me in a way that at least, you know, if my physical health can be restored, then like the other portrait, um, that still needs to straighten out, you know, at least it's going to be easier to take that journey if, if one of them one of them gets into alignment. And about a week or so later, I thought, okay, well, I've got my answer. Nothing has changed. And I felt, I felt bitter and disappointed. And I, f- I felt stupid for getting excited about it, to be honest. And I, it almost felt like I'd been cruelly played. And I was angry. And so we went to a prayer meeting to pray for Kim Gono at Andre and Sonica's house. And as you can imagine, if you're in that kind of spiritual and, and emotional state, you're not worth much at a prayer meeting. And, but at that prayer meeting, I felt God speak to me again. And, and again, it was one of those fully formed thoughts along with all of the implications of that truth that just hit me all at the same time. And I knew this is the voice of God. And the Lord said to me, Dion, that wasn't your breakthrough, but that was your promise. And the promise is as good as the breakthrough if you understand who the promise is from. You can take it to the bank, even if you don't see the breakthrough yet. And so I decided, if that's true, then I need to start behaving and acting like somebody who who is taking his promise to the bank. And so I thought, I'm going to start going for a run every now and then. And I'm going to expect to feel healthy and strong at some point. And it was almost comical I I couldn't run slow enough to begin with to not have to take a walk break every couple of hundred meters 
just to stop my heart rate from, from spiking too much. But I, I decided to keep at it and I, I just plotted around the block in our neighborhood and I would travel to some of the more remote park runs so that other people wouldn't see how I'm struggling. There's a nice photograph of, um, of my park run at, uh, at Python Park. If you look at the other role players in that photograph, you can get some idea of the, <laughs> of the pace that I was able to muster. But I, but I thought, I'm going to start behaving and start acting like somebody who believes that the promise is as good as the breakthrough. And, and again, nothing much really changed. And, I, and I, I kept at it, and I was able to at least get some measure of fitness back again, but nothing that, uh, nothing that I was ever in danger of confusing with being, with being restored to full health. But the silver lining was that after a while, I, I could actually go for a run with Kuba, and it became like a, a regular Saturday like date activity for us. We would go for a jog together. Where previously, I was zealously charging through the bushes, running the trails, and I'm not, not able to get myself to slow down enough to do it with my wife. And we actually got to do it together, and it was a, a wonderful silver lining. But again, just like with the previous shot in the arm, it was a case of thinking to myself, well, this is a lovely object lesson. Surely, surely my breakthrough must now come, having learned such a wonderful object lesson. And the breakthrough didn't come. And it wasn't long before I found myself at the bottom of the valley again. And I, I, was, I was just complaining to God, saying, God, this is, this is such a lonely journey. Because even though many people were reaching out to me, many people were praying for me, trying to encourage me, and I, and I really, really appreciated that. And I want to just say thank you again to each, each one of you that, that did that over the season. It wasn't as if they could do the journey for me. I still had to show up at work. I still had to go and meet all of those responsibilities and then come back home and try to be a, a patient and a kind husband and a father. And then the church responsibilities, serving on the worship team and on the eldership, there wasn't a pause button on any of those things, and it just wore me down. After every shot in the arm, I would just eventually find myself at the bottom of the valley again. And because you, for the most part, soldiering on, a lot of people just kind of think that, well, everything seems to be going okay. And, and so I was just, and they don't realize that actually you're in a very, very desperate place. And so I was just complaining to God, saying, God, I. This, this desperate place that I'm in is just really lonely. And I don't like to go telling people and spelling it out to them that I'm in a desperate place. It's just something that's difficult for me, I suppose. But I, I was pouring out my heart to God, and I felt the Lord saying, I want you to lift up your eyes, and I want you to find somebody else who might be feeling that way. And so the first person that popped into my head was, was Sandra. Sandra had been on... A number of mission trips with the church and, and especially to, to South America, to, to Brazil and Argentina, where they prayed for people who had cancer and they saw cancer tumors disappearing off of people and, and they saw incredible, miraculous healings. And her dad had been diagnosed with, with prostate cancer and his condition just wasn't getting any better. And in, in fact, it was, it was getting worse. 
And I just thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe that's somebody that's also feeling, you know, a little bit, a little bit like I'm feeling. God, what, what would you like me to do with that? And I, and I felt that the Lord laid it on a heart for Quib and I to, to invite Sandra to come to a house once a day for seven days for like a, a spiritual course of antibiotics. So instead of taking a pill like on seven days consecutively, we just said, okay, come to our house. We're going to have communion and we're going to pray for your dad just quickly, seven days. That's what we felt the Lord laid on our heart. And we didn't do anything long or drawn out. It wasn't fancy. And there were a couple of days when we actually couldn't even fit it in. We, we might have skipped a couple of days. But on, on day four or five, she let us know that her dad had posted on the family WhatsApp group that something amazing had happened and that he he couldn't pass water, so he had a catheter, but he, he felt like he'd been touched and healed. So he went to the doctor and told the doctor, you need to remove this thing. The doctor said, you're crazy. You're going to be back here within a day or two with me needing to put it in. And he said, no, I, I insist something has happened. And the doctor removed it, and it's stayed removed ever since. And I thought, wow. Jesus, you're amazing. All the glory and all the praise should go to you. Surely it must be my turn soon. And like I, and like I said, it, it didn't happen anytime soon. For more, than a, for more than a year and a half after originally getting that retrenchment notice, it was like my file got lost. So there was still a long journey for me to go through. And I had to also learn that my, my capacity for actually being productive in a, in a spiritual sense wasn't limited to those times when I'm feeling edified and positive. Sometimes I would just feel so angry and so provoked at the injustice and the perceived injustice of what I was experiencing that God opened up a piece of scripture to me that, that really served as an anchor, and I want to share it with you. It's in Luke chapter 18. I'm just going to read a, a couple of short parts of it. But it's the story of the persistent widow. And it's a story that I've been familiar with, but, but God just showed me a couple of key things in here that, that really served to anchor my heart along this journey. In verse 3, Jesus said, Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. That's easy to miss, but what is, what is so potent about what that widow prays is... A, she knew what justice was meant to look like. And then B, she knew that there was an adversary and the judge is not the one that she's fighting against. Then Jesus said in verse 6 and 7, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And so in those moments when I just felt like I've got nothing, I've got nothing friendly or positive to say or to pray, I would just go to God and say, God, I pray that you would get justice for me from my adversary. I know what justice looks like. Justice means that what you have promised me comes to fruition. Justice means that the health that you've promised in your word is mine. I want you to get justice for me from my adversary. I know that you are not my adversary, but there's a devil that is coming against me. And God, I want you to avenge me. I want you to use my life and use this testimony to drag people out of his kingdom and into the kingdom of light. 
God, I want you to avenge me by using this testimony to set people free, break devil's chains and shackles off of other people's lives and let them come to salvation. Let them be transformed. Let them be saved through this so that the devil's kingdom would shrink by seven times the amount that he thought he was going to enlarge it by bringing this against me. And so we can channel that, that sort of anger that it's, Sometimes we feel we get tricked into channeling that towards God or channeling it towards the pastor or the, this leader or your spouse or whatever the case might be. Like we, we do have an adversary, but it's not God. And God is our judge and he's just and he's faithful. And so finally, late in 2019, I got retrenched. And I was like, yes. Finally, I get to see this waterfall where God has promised that there was something hidden for me. And, and so I, I decided that I'm in no state to make any sensible decisions about my, about my career. So firstly, I thought, let me, just, let me just take a month or two off. Because by that time, I'd been at the company for quite a long time. And as will become clear later on, God, is, God had this thing planned out all the way. So I had a, so I had a severance package and I, I thought, okay, God, I'm just going to rest and recuperate for at least a month, probably two months. And then I'm going to start asking you, what is this thing that you said that you've got sorted out for me? Because I don't want anything else. I know that you, what you've got planned for me is probably better than anything that I can come up with myself. And so early in February, God led me to, to start my own engineering business. So I was very excited because God made it quite clear to me and confirmed through, through a word that, that Nastasha actually brought when she was visiting East London the one morning. So I registered my own company, started my own business, got JP to help me do a logo and all the branding and marketing, got everything ready, and two weeks later it was locked down with COVID. And so I had a brand new business, I had no work, and it was locked down. And and I look back at it and, and I just think it's amazing that God had everything sorted and planned out that way so that that severance package, if I was retrenching 2018 when I got that first notice, that severance package would have been gone. But that severance package was there to carry us through those first couple of months of lockdown, uh, this new business and no work. And by the time that little nest egg began to dwindle, I got a phone call from a university friend of mine. I'll give it to you in a, in a very, in a very condensed nutshell. But he, he said to me, I've, I've got this really big project, but I need a little bit of extra capacity. And I said to him, that's great. I've got this company and it's got no work. So it's a pretty good match. And, and so, and so God provided through no marketing that I could have done. God provided work for me and for my company and I stand, I stand here today looking back and I can honestly say that the fact that I stand here with my company still standing, it's, it's nothing to do with, with me or what I could have brought to the table. This is all what God has done. And, and I want you to, I want you to receive that, that testimony as a, as a prophecy for your own life. This is, this is what the Lord has done and this is what the Lord wants to do for others as well. He's not a respecter of persons. It's not that he thinks that I'm more special than you. And, and so many of you will sort of kind of be doing the math now and, and saying, well, okay, then what about the other portrait? 
that was still what that was still hanging skew. So that one still took another year and a bit, I suppose. But at the end of at the end of last year, my doctor arranged for me to go to a sleep lab and do a sleep study. And long story short, it turns out that that I that I had sleep apnea, which is a fancy way of saying that when I go to sleep I forget to breathe. And and so at night I would stop breathing for about a minute at a time, maybe 40 times in the night. And so my oxygen levels would just drop to, to the 80s. And it's a, it's a terribly unhealthy thing to have. And so that's why my body had the engine management light going. And it had me throttled back into, into limp home mode. But we, but we just couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And in fact, the doctor, when I first came to see him in 2018, he said, he wonders if it's not maybe sleep apnea. And he asked me, does, uh, does my wife say that I snore? And so I asked my wife. My wife said, no, honey, you don't snore. Maybe a little bit when you've got a cold, but you're a very silent sleeper. And, and because apart from that, I just didn't fit the profile either. I was an overweight or heavy drinker. So we just didn't explore that avenue. Interesting for me to think back now. We, you know, we could have discovered the, the source of this so much sooner, but it was like all of that was being obscured somehow. And after this journey of years and years, and and all the prayer that went in, it, it's like finally all of those, all of those um, veils that was obscuring the source of the problem were were lifted and moved aside, and and we could address the source. Because if I, if I'm perfectly honest, I thought. God, you know, this is actually quite quite an anticlimax. All of this praying, all of the fasting, all of the tears, and now now here's a solution. But there's no there's no gold dust, there's no trumpets, no lightning, no nothing. It's a mechanical engineering solution. I switch on a button and I put a mask on my face, and it it pumps air into my airways. This feels like a little bit of an anticlimax. And I, and I just felt that the Lord said to me, this is what I'm doing in this season. I'm removing veils that are keeping natural solutions obscured and hidden or keeping the root causes of problems in the natural obscured and hidden. And I'm exposing them so that they can be addressed. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.